When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even to a physical. Let's check your weight. Hop on the scale. Look at that. You're down a few pounds. Oh, yeah. Must be the new carbon fiber wheels. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. I'm going to prescribe 91 octane for your engine knock, and we'll want to see you again in 3,000 miles. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, my gosh. Back again. And, uh, boy, fourth, uh, fourth week of June. Man, oh, man. We, we almost have five weeks of June. And you know what? We're officially in summer. Uh, I think that was on the 20th. And, uh, well, now we, uh, yep, it's in the books. Summer 2021 officially upon us. I hope your summer is going well. Uh, and my goodness, thank you uh, for being here. You picked a great day to join me because... Uh, this week's guest is just a stellar human being. Exemplary, really. Um, one to uh, uh, one to really learn from and be inspired by. And uh, boy, you, uh, you certainly want to live your life the way this person does. Uh, this week, our guest is the very special you. That's right. It's you. Oh, my. Well, Josh, how can you say... Uh, I'm glad you're joining us. The guest is you. I mean, isn't that too many yous? Yes, it is. Um, but I'm feeling a little clunky today. I'm going to warn you guys. I, uh, I, you know what? I feel, I feel like I'm talked out. So, um, I, you know, I did the big show this morning. That was four hours of talking and listening. And then I uh, ugh, had lunch with Chick McGee and Jess Hooker. And my God, if that wasn't. More talking and more listening, and uh, well, now I'm here in the basement uh, where uh, old what's-her-face. Uh, you know what her problem is? Um, <laughs> my problem is, is I forget her name. Uh, we established her in season one of the uh, Josh Ronald podcast, and I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what her name is. But you know what? It doesn't matter. She doesn't talk to me anyway. I don't think she likes me. But she does talk. So I did a lot. I've done a lot of listening down here while I was uh, getting ready for your arrival. And it, it, man, she just talks and talks, but not to me, but to something, somebody. I don't know if she's speaking to the files that she goes through. Tom has her doing all these odd jobs. Um, oh, yes, I'm speaking to you. Oh, ugh. She looks at me and doesn't respond. Anyway. Hey, by the way, what's your name again? <laughs> yeah, she's not going to tell me. So I'll have to ask somebody upstairs when I get back up there. Uh, this week has been uh, lovely where I am weather-wise. Uh, boy, a lot of porch time, a lot of deck time, grilling and reading and uh, uh, really trying to spend some time out of doors. Uh, it hasn't been stiflingly hot. It's been really nice. It's been like in the 70s. And uh, today's another one of those days. 
So uh, I, I asked Jason, our producer, if we could do the podcast outside today. You remember when like a professor would pull that once every year or semester? Today we're having class outside. Well, terrific. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Let's uh, sit on the itchy grass and avoid stink bugs while you talk about philosophy and whether or not we are really awake or not. Oh, boy. I'll, ta- I'll tell that story another time. But uh, <laughs> the, the argument I got into with a philosophy professor one time, uh, I ended up losing the argument because I flunked out of the class. But, um, that, again, I'll save that for another, <laughs> another time. Uh, oh, my gosh. This week we have uh, a sponsor. And um, we, uh, let's, well, there's no reason to uh, delay it. We're going to get right to the uh, the sponsor. And, uh, oh, it's a good one. It is a good one today. This week, uh, I'm proud to say that the sponsor is paper. Oh, we need paper. Uh, some people say uh, we don't need it as much as we used to. Look, um, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but uh, I, for one, uh, a big fan of paper. Look, there are so many reasons why paper will not totally go away. Some probably think it should. What do I? I don't know anything about, uh, you know, if paper is good or bad. I really don't. Um, I think wasting paper, bad. Using it properly, good. You know what? That's my stance. That's my bold take on paper. Uh Boy, so far, I don't think the sponsor is going to be too impressed. I just said don't overuse paper, essentially. Don't wa- but, I mean, they want you to waste it, don't they? Boy, oh, boy, that just means they sell more. Here's the deal. I don't think uh, – there are a few reasons why paper needs to stick around. One, kids like to color, and when they color, it's the greatest thing ever. Whenever a little kid gives you a picture that they made, man, it's the best – I love it, how proud they are, uh, and uh, no, no matter how much it sucks, have you ever, get, you know, we've all gotten uh, pictures before, the kid goes, hey, it's an elephant, yeah, no, no that isn't, those are some scribbles, and uh, maybe there's like, I can kind of see two misshapen circles for, oh, those are the eyes, all right, well, better, uh, you know, <laughs> A for effort, pal, but... <laughs> They never truly suck, do they? They're wonderful. And I don't think an app or any kind of program on an iPad or yet has has uh it can't be it can't be beat. Paper cannot be beat when it comes to kids drawing. I mean, sure there are plenty of scribble apps and stuff um with different colors and effects and things. Eh, it's not the same. Give me some crayons and uh construction paper or uh whatever. Old office paper and Yes, give me something I can hang on my fridge. And um, also, I, look, I am a total holdout when it comes to books. I am still a very, when it comes to books, physical books. I haven't, uh, I don't have a Kindle. I, I don't I don't have an iPad that I can read on or anything like that. I, I like holding the book and I like the smell of the book. So, uh, books are certainly made out of paper. <laughs> and that's why I'm proud to have paper as a um, as a sponsor. I hope you enjoy some paper uh, <laughs> this week. Um, yeah, when, how far do you think it'll be? How long do you think it'll be before, like, 
things like really important papers are no longer on paper, like your birth certificate or your social security card. I, I I think we will we will see a day where those things um, are no longer printed, where they are just they're either like we're either chipped <laughs> or something. And what about money? Uh, there's a chance that in our lifetime we won't have paper money. Uh, but I like paper money, don't you? Ah, boy, I could talk all day about. You know what? Maybe money will sponsor our show sometime. <laughs> And I'll, I'll save any discussions I have about that for then. In the meantime, real quick, big doings at the Arnold uh, abode. My goodness, I made a purchase. I treated myself, all right? Look, I, I'm not going uh, to beat around the bush. 2021 has been a tough year for unexpected fi- uh, finances uh, for Josh. It's been, uh, boy, I mean, it's been... Um, well, my HVAC system went out, and uh, um, I had an electrical panel that was getting ready to burst into flames and had to get that changed. And then uh, I had some toilets uh, go ro- go wrong at the same time and some pipes go wrong. So I had, like, a major plumbing project happen. Um, it's been um, – so I haven't really been able to spend much money on, uh, you know, fun stuff or whatever. My, 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 one of my best friends, Joe Murray, once said, uh, there's nothing worse than spending money just to get back to normal. He, I remember his car had broken down and he was going to have to spend hundreds of dollars that he, he really didn't have, uh, just, and as he put it, get back to normal. And I thought, oh, that's, you're absolutely right. If you spend a bunch of money, you kind of want, you want like something new and cool to show for it just to get back to where you were. <laughs> Oh, I miss you, Joe. And uh, uh, so, um, yes, I, it's been. But I anyway, I treated myself. I splurged a little. Uh, I think it was. It may have been a couple hundred bucks, two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars, or whatever. I got myself a bidet. That's right. And uh, it's not a new bowl next to the toilet. All right. It's it, it goes on top of my toilet. It's like a it's like a really elaborate. Uh, large toilet seat and listen to what thing this thing does. So I had, when I got the new toilets, I also had, uh, cause this was very, a very recent thing. I also had the, um, uh, plumber install the bidet. So he uh, hooked it up to the water line there and he put the filter on. There's all kinds of things. And, uh, the reason that was actually a few weeks ago. And the reason that I'm just now using the bidet is because, <laughs> Uh, I needed an extension cord uh, so that the bidet could, because it needs to be plugged in. I needed some uh, an extension cord, and I was just I had I was being lazy about it, and finally just got the extension cord and plugged it in. This bidet is incredible; it really is. It's uh, it's more than a bidet. I'll tell you that. Here's what it does. First off, uh, it's a it's a light. So when when you uh, flip the lid up in the dark or whatever, the uh, you don't even have to flip. It's all, it's always on. The light is right there. You don't have to turn on the bathroom light in the middle of the night. That's great. We've all seen those before. But hey, this seat has that. It also warms. It's a seat. It has a seat warmer. So when you sit down, the a sensor is uh, activated, and just like uh, some of the car seats, it it becomes warm and it becomes warm really quickly. So I can't wait for the winter. When, uh, well, my my bottom won't have to be too chilly 
when I use the restroom. And uh, <laughs> um, and then, of course, it does the bidet things. Uh, when things are over or, you know, when I'm ready, I can hit uh, it's got a remote control and I hit the uh, the button there and uh, it does its thing. It. Uh, yeah. And it does its thing pretty well. Uh, boy, I tell you what, the remote has uh, many options. You can uh, adjust the temperature, which is important. I'm sure some <laughs> some might like a, a, a cold uh, aqua injection there, and others might, some like it hot, I guess. And uh, I like it uh, temperate in the middle, somewhere <laughs> sort of a luke, uh, <laughs> tepid. Uh, rinse and then um, uh, you can adjust the pressure and uh, I'm still working on that I'm still working on it um, trying to find the perfect pressure and then you can adjust the positioning so you know if you turn it on and it's spraying a little um, south, a little more north than you'd like it you adjust it back and if it's a little more south than you want you adjust it forward obviously and then it has these two features one is massage where the water comes out sort of sporadically uh, and in, in like a different rhythm, and it's meant to massage that area. And then another is called, um, oh boy, it's either called, it's like swish or sway, or uh, I, I forget exactly. And as the water is spraying, it sort of rotates very gently and really gets, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, that is... Uh, that's the feature right there, the uh, the swish or whatever it's called. The sw- I, I, I have to look again on the remote. All I know is it's glorious. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. Um, and uh, when you hit the button for the bidet, it's, it goes two minutes, and then it'll shut off, or you can shut it off earlier than that. I'll be honest. I've let it go the full two minutes before. And then here's the deal. It has a dryer. So you hit dry. And uh, it's like a hand dryer, you know, that you would see in public restrooms. But it's for that area. And uh, so it dries. And uh, that takes a little, it takes a while. It doesn't have the power of uh, (laughs) some of those, um, you know, public uh, hair dryers. But it certainly does work. It does work. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, It's refreshing. Nothing like a little... uh, uh, you know, P- Poseidon's finger, I like to think of it as. Uh, getting in there and really, oh boy, it's it's just a terrific, I, I'm I'm a very pleased, I have no buyer's remorse. I'm a, I'm a very pleased consumer of my new bidet. So uh, uh, maybe if you, maybe you're a bidet. And ladies, it also has, um, and I don't, I don't want to get too graphic by any means, but uh it also has a feminine um, uh, button, so you can hit that, and it will hit uh, another area that may need uh, refreshing or whatever. So, um, yes, and uh, there you go. <laughs> I embarrassed myself a little bit. So, um, that's the big news from uh, the Arnold camp. But let's get out of this uh, stuffy basement for a little bit here and hop on aboard... The TJA Express. Ah, the arm track. Oh, boy. It's a beautiful day. Windows are down. Oh, oh look, some folks standing there. 
Oh, my gosh. And here we are. We have arrived at one of my favorite places on the planet. It's Vocabville. And, uh, man, a cool word today. Uh, one that I was not familiar with. I recently read it. And I went, what? what? And from contextually, I kind of understood what it meant. But I'd never seen the word before, and so I looked it up and went, oh, my, okay. I, and I, I, what I deduced from the context, I was correct, but uh, this, this is a new word for me, um, and uh, I plan on using it. The word is a noun, and it's ekdiziast, or ekdiziast, really, ekdiziast. And it means a stripper, or a strip teaser, or uh, somebody who, who strips, uh, you know, uh, for as a profession or in a performance, an ekdiziast. How I had never heard that, and uh, you would have thought I would have. Um, ekdiziast stripper. So uh, the next time that you're going to a strip club, but you don't want anybody to know, just go. Hey, what are you doing uh, tonight? Oh, I'm going. I'm going to hang out with this ekdiziast, and then uh, we're gonna. I don't know. It's not people. A couple things will happen here. Uh, occasionally, you'll get the person like me who will go, I have never, what does that dizzy ass mean? What is that? Because I have a thirst for, for knowledge, and I'm not afraid to admit when I don't know something. In fact, I love not knowing something because I love learning about something new. So, uh, dizzy asked, I, I would say, but most people I think are going to go, either in their heads, they're going to go, oh, that sounds, that's a big word that I don't understand. It must be boring. I'm not even going to bother following up. So, let's go, oh, okay, well, enjoy it. Uh or they, they don't want to look like they don't know what it means. So they'll just go, all right, well, have fun. <laughs> or if you come home and you've got glitter in your beard and uh, maybe you smell of uh, some sort of uh, st- strong perfume, maybe a little lipstick on the collar there, oh boy. And maybe your wallet's a little lighter than it was when you left. And uh, maybe... Uh, the front of your pants are a little. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, and maybe you'll be accused. Hey, were you at a strip club tonight? No. What, honey? I was at the Ecdysiasts. Uh, oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I promise you that's not what's gonna happen. But uh, <laughs> fun to know, no less. Strip teaser. Ecdysiasts. It's uh, uh, E-C-Y-D. Is that how it is? Ekdiz? No, no, I'm sorry. It's E-C-D-Y-I-A-S-T. Let me make sure of that. Um, I didn't write it down uh, like a fool. E-C-D-Y-S-I-A-S-T. Ekdiziest. Pretty cool. Uh, fun word. So try to use it this week, if you will. And let's go ahead and get that. Engine a rolling once again. Uh, we are on the uh, world's only steam powered monorail, uh, by the way, the Arn Trek. And uh, let's see where we end up. Oh boy, look at this countryside. Ah. The, oh, look, my gosh, there's an Ecdysiast right there in that field. Boy, that's pretty. Hey, look where we are. Music Junction. Oh, and have I got a song to share with you this week. By the way, I think we were uh, just here. We were just in uh, Music Junction last week, if, if memory serves. Uh, and I talked about Tyler Childers and uh, uh, some of my favorite, uh, quote-unquote, outlaw country um, 
artists. And I forgot to mention, I mean, I was like, I couldn't, I was having trouble. I do remember. I was having trouble remembering uh, some of my favorites. I mentioned a few and many of you wrote in with suggestions and some of them are indeed my favorites. Many of you said, hey, check out Coulter Wall. And I have to tell you, I have. I, I'm a big Coulter Wall fan. In fact, uh, Hugh, I love, love Coulter Wall. Some terrific stuff. Uh, others said, uh, check out the Steel Woods. I love the Steel Woods. Uh, they're, they're terrific. And, um, uh, and and a few other suggestions you guys threw me as well. I'd also like to mention some of my other fa- I love, uh, they, they kind of fall into that category. I love uh, Sunvolt. In fact, they have a uh, new, new single out that's terrific. Uh, Old 97s is one of my all-time favorite bands. And I would even include My Morning Jacket. Uh, what, I'm, what I mean is the, My Morning Jacket is absolutely one of my favorite bands, but um, not necessarily uh, Outlaw Country. I, I mean, they, they no, I, I wouldn't consider them that. But they oof, they do tiptoe into, into that territory every now and again. So um, great, just but wonderful nonetheless. The song I, I want to tell you about today came out a couple months ago, and I've been hearing it. Um, and every time I do, I go, man, this is, this is so catchy. And, uh, I, <laughs> I've just really, I really love it. And I want to share it with you. Uh, the artist is Yola and she's wonderful. She's been around, um, oh, I think her first album came out in like 2016, somewhere around there. And uh, she is terrific. Now, she will be played on uh, stations that play uh, old country and outlaw country and stuff like this. But this is really, I think this song is a crossover hit. It's It's got some uh, adult contemporary feel to it. It's got some pop feel to it. It's got, uh, it's certainly, in, in terms of country, it certainly shares uh, a kindred spirit with the work of Dolly Parton and Reba McIntyre and... Um, uh, oh my gosh! And she is. This song is wonderful. It's called "Diamond Studded Shoes," and it's catchy and upbeat and fun. But the lyrics are. It's really. Uh, she's really speaking to the disenfranchised here. It's really sort of a uh, an anthem uh, for uh, people who feel like they've gotten a, a rough shake, and it's. It's so it's it's sort of a protest song, but not uh, with with not really being um, there's no victimhood being celebrated or anything like that. It's it's just a hey, um, it, you know what the message is almost uh, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And look, uh, really, it, it's the message is hey, we keep saying things are going to get better, but I have my doubts. And that sounds I I can totally see how that sounds like a negative message. But it isn't. Essentially, it's saying, hey, look, we're working, but we've got more work to do, and we really need to uh, to do better. And I just love, I love that uh, that spirit, and I love that she put it in an upbeat song that you can really sing along to. I mean, it is catchy as all get out. It's wonderful. Yola, Diamond Studded Shoes. I think you're really, really going to like it. And... Um, I, you know, I know there's a there's a, a, a sect of uh, of the the country that is probably um, I, uh, protested out a little bit. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, hey, look. Uh, and I, I'll be honest, I get a little bit of protest fatigue, where 
I, I go, hey, hey, yes, we have a lot of work to do here, um, but we're also way beyond where we were. And every now and again, I think we need to pat ourselves on the back and go, you know, we're doing pretty good. We're we are doing a good job, and we're getting better. And uh, and as as a human race, uh, we're going to keep getting better. Let's not let's not lose sight of the fact that we have made enormous strides, uh, even though there are still uh, enormous strides to be made. I, I mean, I think it's important to go. All right, we're we're doing good. We are, and let's keep let's keep it up. Let's keep doing better. And uh, <laughs> Yola's message is is really. Uh, interesting. It's a, uh, you know, you say we're going to do better, but can we believe it? We got to, we've got to double our efforts. And it's, it's, uh, it actually is a really nice sentiment. There's nothing whiny about it. There's nothing out of line about it. Um, and again, it's not, uh, oh, woe is, uh, woe are we, uh, we're victims. And this, by this way, this song can be talking about anybody who is, um, feeling uh you know left out or uh um put upon or or or, uh anything like that anybody who feels any sort of injustice can really um relate to the song and haven't we all at at, at some time or another felt some sort of injustice um yes the answer is yes um unfortunately some have felt it longer and stronger than, than others but We've all felt it, and and uh, this song really is for everybody. I urge you to check it out. It's really, I mean, as dorky as this sounds, it's really snappy, and it's her. She's lovely. She is a she is a a person that I would love to uh, share a meal with and just really listen to and talk with. It's it's uh, it's quite it's meaningful and joyful. And uh, bravo to Yola. I look forward to hearing more. Uh, her, the album that the single is from comes out at the end of July, and I, I'm uh, very excited about it. I really look forward to hearing uh, what else she has to say and what uh, other wonderful music is, is a part of it. So uh, if you don't like it, totally okay, uh, of course. Um, but uh, give it a shot, will you? Yola, Diamond Studded Shoes. Oh, good for you, Yola. Great stuff. Um, oh, we have some questions uh, here as we've... I see we've, uh, as I was uh, talking there, we made our way back to the, the basement. A couple questions here about the Bob and Tom show. Let's see. Uh, Benjamin uh, writes in. Thank you, Benny. Oh, from Kalamazoo. Gosh, I love Kalamazoo. Um, I've got to spend some time there uh, when I worked with Rawlings. We uh, off When it wasn't baseball season, I would do marketing road marketing for uh, basketball season. And we would do some of the and three tournaments, and we spent uh, a fair amount of time in Kalamazoo for one of those, and uh, just a lovely time. Also, a side note: Kalamazoo was um, a, th- a theater there in uh, Kalamazoo. I think it's the State Theater. Um, is where my favorite stand-up special of all time was filmed. Robert Schimmel's Unprotected. Uh, so, what else? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, ben from Kalamazoo says. Um, you descri- I have a question. Uh, you described all of you kind of play out certain things on the morning show to set up for an explanation. There are small things that Tom quote unquote claims unquote to know nothing about, like a trapper keeper. Really, also iconic TV shows his boys would have watched, like uh, TGIF back in the day. 
Oh, okay. So, uh, Ben, you're essentially saying, uh, you're asking um, if that's fake. If Tom not knowing about something that most everybody knows about is fake. And uh, I need you to trust me on this because it is the uh, the honest truth. Um, can there be a, a dishonest truth? Uh, no, he's not faking it. He, I remember distinctly the morning we, we were talking about Trapper Keepers and he had no idea what that was. He meant it. He had no clue. And he often has no clue. And he admits this freely, that a lot of television and music from the 80s and 90s, he just is totally unaware of. And it makes sense. He was working um, uh, in radio, but he wasn't working necessarily for pop. I mean, I know there were times he was. but um, And then at night, he was often out. Uh, at concerts or doing uh, remotes and all this stuff. I and mean, he's, he's talked to me about it at length. About uh, And then other times he just had his kids and they were busy with uh, baseball or, uh, you know, all the stuff that he has, that his kids get involved in. So, yeah, no, he, he is, when he doesn't know something, he's not faking it. He really isn't. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it is baffling. It's, it's, how do you, how have you never heard, man, what song did I mention the other day? And, uh, he gave me such a hard time because he, he accused me that it was, he was accusing me of using such an obscure reference. And it was like, no, no, no. 98% of people know that reference. I, I assure you, you're just the weirdo that happened to miss that. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons we love him. What an oddball. Uh, so Benjamin, I, I totally get why you might assume that some of that was fake. It is not, I, but I assure you, it is not. He's uh, as as a chick will say often say he's one of the dumbest, smartest people you'll ever meet. <laughs> uh, Scott writes in. He says, uh, "Oh, you know, this is interesting, and um, I, 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 it's one of those questions I can. I, I, I've said this before, answering questions." I can only give you my point of view and what I know and what I've experienced, all right? So I'm not going to try to uh, make any assumptions here um, uh, or uh, try to fill in info that I don't have. Um, uh, but, I, I, you know, I'm not afraid to uh, tell you what I know. Uh, my question has to do with your predecessor, Scott Potasnik. Uh, what happened to him? And uh, was it contentious? Um I get the feeling that it was, it was, oh, okay. And then it says, from what I can remember, on one of the last episodes with Scott, he had recorded Tom yawning and he played it on the air and you could tell Tom was legitimately not happy about it. And the yawning soundbite was never played again. Um, is that why you, uh, is that why he sort of disappeared? Uh, no, uh, the answer is no. Um, Tom and uh, Scott are, uh, still very good friends. Uh, they talk a lot. And uh, Scott is a big fan of the Bob and Tom show, listens a lot, a lot. And uh, he um, uh, is he lives in California and he's got a terrific job. And uh, I, I think he's really enjoying himself. Um, I watched some video once of uh, Potasnik doing uh because he used to work for the playboy channel and i i watched a, a video he did where he went and visited a um like a world famous 
Uh, oh, well, how about this? Coincidentally, it was a world-famous place where ecdesiasts uh, will perform. And so um, I have to tell you, on video, when he, he was hosting this segment, he's like, hey, guys, here we are. At, uh, and he showed he is a terrific television personality. And I, if that's what he would like to do, I hope he gets to do a lot more of it because he is great. He's got terrific energy, a wonderful presence, uh, incredibly likable in front of the camera. And, uh, man, hats off to you, Scott. I, I hope... Um, that if that is if, if you'd like to do more of that, that you get to because uh, you're really talented at it. And um, uh, that's all I, I really know. I, I know that there was no uh, – uh, Tom may have been annoyed by that yawning segment, but I also know for a fact that we have played it since uh, that morning. It's um, uh, I, 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 And we could play it tomorrow, and it wouldn't cause any problems. So uh, uh, he – if he <laughs> – I don't remember the exact um, – I remember being here because it was when I I wasn't uh, totally full-time, but I was close. I remember uh, that that uh, clip and uh, it being played, and uh, it's Tom going, because that's how he yawns, and he knows it. And uh, so if he seemed genuinely annoyed, man, I, I don't know if he was because we have been allowed to play it before, and he will – we still joke with him about his obnoxious yawning, so – uh, anyway, no, uh, nothing negative uh, about uh, Scott's exit or the relationship uh, with he and Tom at all. So they, they, uh, they're, they're very, very close. So, um, what else? Where, 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 where did we leave? Good questions, by the way. Thanks for, for sending those in. Josh Podcast at BobandTom.com. When uh, we last spoke... I told uh, the story about me uh, causing quite a wreck with uh, the Rolling Suburban and the dugout, which was huh, this, I mean, a huge trailer, uh, literally the height of a tractor trailer and about about uh, three quarters, half, a uh, third of the length, something like that. Uh, a really ungainly piece of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was junk on wheels. Um, kind of cool when you would open it up, but nothing spectacular. And uh, I wrecked it. I wrecked it. I was terrified. Uh, you, you guys remember the story. Well, uh, so what happened after uh, we wrecked and we we assessed our, our own bodies and realized we were not hurt and <laughs> miraculously and nobody else was involved in the accident, um, but... The traffic, uh, well, it, it certainly was backing up on the highway. And uh, the traffic copters were hovering over. And uh, the police arrived. So, essentially, um, I, I have to... Okay, sorry about that. I had to sneeze. Uh, uh, we started um, cleaning up the junk that the two giant bats... That flew off the top of the dugout. We we picked up and <laughs> moved to the uh, center of the highway, like the uh, the grassy median there, and ah, we had to call Travis, who was in charge of the road crew at the time, and he was driving the big caravan, which was the slightly smaller tractor trailer, and uh, he was behind us. We told him, "Hey, we were in a bad wreck," <laughs> and. Uh, 
And it was like, ah, oh, terrific. And um, he eventually pulled up and stopped. And, uh, you know, we got it all. So we get the dugout towed away. The Suburban, somehow, even though the back end is pretty, like, the bumper, the re- the back bumper, and the tail and the uh, trailer hitch and everything really uh, pretty twisted up. The suburban is totally drivable. We get it out of the ditch, and uh, it's I, I man, there may have been a flat tire, and uh, I think we did have to change that. Boy, I'm sorry, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. It, it sounds really, really familiar. Okay, so uh, but totally drivable. So what ends up happening is uh, a tow company tows away this wobbly, wobbly dugout. I, I don't know how the tow truck did it, be, it be, and the tow truck driver was not happy about having to move this thing because it was so, such a piece of crap. <laughs> and so uh, uh, we get in the Suburban, and we go ahead and we head off to Omaha like we're supposed to. And uh, on the way, we're talking to the higher-ups at Rawlings, telling them what happened. We're getting call after call from different VPs of marketing and VPs of sales and all this stuff. And <laughs> We're also trying to figure out what we're going to do when we get there because we were going to sell out of the dugout. Now we have to rent tents and uh, all this stuff. So just a lot of logistical things on the way there. I'm wondering if I'm going to get fired uh, when I arrive in Omaha because it was my first day on the road and I uh, I was driving uh, <laughs> when the wreck occurred. So, uh, I, you know, am I going to lose my job? And uh, we finally make it to Omaha. And when we walk in, a lot of the VPs and the head honchos and the CEO and CFO and COO and everybody – uh, you know, all of corporate Rawlings Sporting Goods is uh, they're in the bar and they're about to have dinner. Um, so we sit down and, and uh, turns out they're not mad. They're glad that everybody's okay. Uh, and I start being told by almost everybody that destroying the dugout was the best thing that ever could have happened. <laughs> and I start getting all these horror stories from people about how that thing almost uh, has has been nothing but a pain in the ass since since it was built. And uh, how it was it had always been a problem and they couldn't wait. They were they were happy that it was gone now. Now, one guy did tell me, "Hey, we would have preferred that it uh, sit in a where in a, near, outside of where, one of our warehouses, uh, <laughs> and just um, oh, what's it called? What's it called when a vehicle or something de- it becomes devalued over time? Uh, dang it, I don't remember. You do, uh, but uh, um, anyway, you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so <laughs> they would have preferred that, um, but no, I, I ended up wrecking it very very publicly. <laughs> and it was essentially it was a news story for a little bit. So, um all and and uh, I remember the VP of marketing uh no, he was the VP of sales. He said um uh you be, you're buying dinner tonight. And so and what that meant was I had to use my new corporate American Express card 
to buy uh, dinner, which <laughs> fine or whatever. So uh, it was like hundreds of dollars because it was a bunch of people and they were all drinking and they were all eating filet mignon and stuff. So it ended up being like a $900 tab, but it was just an extra thing I had to fill out on my expense report. <laughs> really wasn't a big deal. So a big sigh of relief from me. And now we're in Omaha for the College World Series. And I have to tell you, if you're a sports fan at all, uh, I hope you get to experience a few days of the College World Series at some point in your life. It's a terrific tournament. It's a wonderful event. There's a bunch of super super cool stuff going on. Uh, I, I was there for uh, Rosenblatt Stadium, uh, where it was held for years and years and years. And uh, now it's in a new stadium. It's in a new location. And th- that stadium is beautiful and state-of-the-art. And uh, that's a terrific location. So um, uh, if you ever get the chance, mid-June, late June, go check out the, the NCAA College World Series. It's great. It's a lot of fun. It's good baseball, good people, and uh, some good companies there representing the best of the sport. So we um, uh, open up for business. And what we do is we sell laser-engraved wood bats. So we've got hundreds and hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of pre-made wood bats. Uh, we, we got these tents in, in lieu of the dugout and uh, set up shop under there. And we had this giant laser engraver uh, hooked up to a computer where you put the, uh, the bat in the engraver, you type in the info that the person wants on the bat, into the computer, and uh, voila, it uh, the laser engraver engraves it on the bat, and then we stain the bat and uh, give it to the folks. So we were selling these things like crazy. Uh, they were like 40 bucks a pop. Uh, it's, and I'll be honest, a good souvenir, a really nice souvenir, $40 um, is, is uh, I mean, that's a chunk of change for a souvenir, but it, it, it was a nice keepsake. So I didn't feel bad. Sometimes, hey man, have you ever had a job where you're selling something? And you kind of feel bad about it. I'll be honest, with Rawlings, I never felt that way, except for one item that we pushed for a while. And uh, that was one of those, it was those bracelets that were supposed to give you better balance. Remember that fad for a while? And essentially it was just a, um, uh, well, let me put it this way. Uh, uh, Theoretically, it was just a plastic band with a sticker on it. the other theory was that it had, the sticker contained some sort of uh, component that would give you better balance. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wasn't comfortable selling those. I sold a ton of them, but I was never fully comfortable with it. Uh, so, but other than that, Rawlings really puts out a fine product, and I'm not being biased. Just like I'm not, I, I have no problem saying Louisville Slugger puts out a wonderful wood bat. Are you kidding me? That it's a terrific product. And uh, Wilson has got some uh, gloves out there that players swear by. What is it, the A2000? I know guys who would never get rid of that glove or go or go anywhere else. But Rawlings products are were really easy to sell because they were good. And uh, I always enjoyed uh, helping people pick out gloves and pick out bats and, and uh, all that stuff and, and sell good souvenirs like a nice engraved bat with their favorite team name and um i remember uh because of ncaa rules uh we could only put like syracuse we couldn't put uh the name of the team or whatever we could only put like the cities 
Because, uh, well, as as much as the NCAA may love to, they can't copyright a city name. So, <laughs> so we were able to do do that. But um, and the 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 scores and all this stuff. So uh, it was great. I loved it. I loved working the College World Series. And by the way, it was also just a party. I mean, we worked, uh, boy, eight a.m. to like seven p.m. Uh, sometimes later, they these were full, busy, um, sweating, nonstop work. Uh, I mean, so t- talking to people, selling, um, running to a, uh, a uh, porta john or whatever whenever you needed to, uh, eating lunch while you were working. I mean, just we were non we were swamped nonstop. And it was it was great. I loved it. I mean, but I was also what twenty two or twenty three. I had the I had energy for days. So after that, we would uh, have a little dinner, maybe at the hotel, or we'd go to a, a local restaurant or whatever. And then we would hit most most nights. Uh, boy, I you know what? Almost every night it may have, there there were years because I did this a, a handful of years. Worked to the College World Series where it was every night. We went to this place called Paulie's and it was one of the funnest bars I've ever been to. It it was essentially a apparently I, I was told by uh the fine folks in Omaha that Paulie's did very minor business all year except the weeks of the College World Series where it was the place in the city to go. And boy did we make sure we were there and it was Awesome. Just this sports bar that inside, uh, I, I would say the hours we would spend there every night, I was indoors for a total of five minutes because it was so packed in in the actual the little building there that you couldn't move. It was shoulder to shoulder. It was pretty miserable. But uh, uh, occasionally you would go in to uh, whatever. Maybe you followed... Uh, a, a girl you found attractive in there for a little bit to chat it up, or you, uh, who Because you didn't have to go in there for the bathroom. They had about thirty porta potties outside, and they had these giant tents and uh, tables, and you would sit at them, and you would order beer in cans by the case. So we would sit down at a table, and we would order a twenty-four pack of cans, and they would bring out, and and uh, 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 sometimes they were tall boys, sometimes they were the traditional 12-ouncers, and uh, we would drink cold beer out of the can sitting under this tent and just get silly. I mean, we loved it, and we talked to, uh, oh, my gosh, we just, we flirted and we met people, (laughs) and it was awesome. Listened to great music, uh, rock and rap and uh, the hits of the day, and we just lived it up and uh, got hammered. I mean, just got Hammered, but I I didn't start getting hangovers until my mid to late twenties. I thought for years that I was hangover proof. That there was something about me where I just didn't get them because I never got them uh, uh, when I was nineteen and drinking, and I never got them when I was twenty two and drink. I mean, I just didn't get hungover, and it, so I could drink all night, get four hours of sleep, and then work in a uh, hot tent. In, in the middle of June in Nebraska all day. And if I did feel a little off, after an hour, I'd sweated all of it out and I'd been pounding 
uh, power aid or uh, drinks or water or whatever and uh, was fine. So night after night, we would go to Pauly's and just drink canned beer. And we, uh, <laughs> the tougher nights where I did feel something, uh, not hungover per se, but just a little slower than I normally did, um, were the nights where <laughs> we thought shotgunning every beer was the right right thing to do. Because they were served, it was, as I said, that we would get cans, so out would come a car key, and uh, <laughs> it would puncture the can there, and we, uh, you know, crack it open. Oh, man. Just so, so fun. I have very fond memories of uh, hanging out at Polly's with with uh, Bryson, who I mentioned, and Travis, and uh, Mike, uh, you know, all these guys, and uh, a lot of the higher-ups, too, with Rawlings. Now, there was an embarrassing night where... Um, well, there were two, and I'll, I'll tell you about them. One night, the uh, big wigs, as I'll put it, the the, the VPs and the C, uh, e, the C whatever O's, uh, want to go out. They want to go out uh, to Paulie's, and it's like, all right, well, it's kind of like going with your parents, but trust me, I had seen these guys enough. They can look the culture at at at, at Rolling Sporting Goods in the uh, early two thousands. You can imagine. Uh, mostly a uh, what would now be called a boys' club. Um, although there were some really uh, obviously there were uh, the women that worked there were super smart and talented and uh, uh, just great, uh, terrific marketers and salespeople and, and all this stuff. I mean, it goes without saying. I, but it was primarily a boys' club in that the guys. What do you expect? It's it's a it was a sporting goods company. And uh, yes, it was very. It got very uh, locker roomy, if you will. So going out with these guys, I thought uh, was a little weird because they're also like fifty and have kids and wives. So as a twenty-two-year-old or whatever I was, uh, I was like, man, this is a little weird that these uh, guys are out here partying it up and flirting with girls my age, and even though they're married and stuff like that. it was a little awkward. But the thing that one night. We were all in a car, and uh, I remember the uh, one of the VPs goes, uh, and I like this guy, I do, but he uh, would get. <laughs> I guess I have to be careful. I don't know who's listening to this. Uh, so anyway, uh, he uh, he, we were in a car, and we pull up not to Paulie's, but to another nightclub that we heard was a really was a great place. We pull up to this building, and there's a line around the building to get in. And uh, the, <laughs> the VP looked at me and he said, hey, Arnold, uh, go up to the doorman there and tell him who we are. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, he goes, ah, tell him you got uh, VPs from Rawling Sporting Goods here in the, here in the, the car. I go, uh, he's not going to care. And the guy, and he didn't want to hear that. He goes, hey, go do it. So I get out of the car. <laughs> I walk up to this gigantic doorman. And uh, in front of all these people dressed to the nines, everybody's looking uh, super hot and uh, ready to party or whatever. I go right to the front of the line, and the doorman looks at me like, are you kidding me? And I go, uh, hey, uh, that car's full of uh, VPs from Rolling Sporting Goods. And I swear to God, he looks at me and he goes, I don't care. <laughs> he said exactly what I said he would say. So I, I go, okay, thanks. And I walk out. I walk back to the uh, the to the car, and the VP of sales goes, uh, what did he say? And I go, he said he didn't care. 
And he goes, let's just go to Paulie's. So, so we went back. We went back to Paulie's. Like, what are you? Don't throw that around. Come on. I was embarrassed uh, for. Uh, sheesh. So anyway. <laughs> like the door guy was going to go, what? There's a businessman in that car? Yeah. No, nobody cares. All right. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, this club would have been tough if I had said, hey, I got Jeter in the car. You know, like that that's the only way we were going to get in there, and we barely would have got in with that. <laughs> so, uh, the other night that was kind of embarrassing was uh, Travis Bryson and I were chatting with uh, some some girls, and they were super fun and super attractive, and we were having a really good time. And uh, I'll be honest, I've never been on the forefront of fashion or style. I'm always, things I like, I always end up wearing or using or whatever far longer than uh, 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 fashion would often allows, all right? And I loved, loved these white Reebok high tops. I loved them, and I would wear them all the time. I wore them uh, for years after they were out of style. And uh, I didn't care. They were comfortable. I liked the way they looked on me. I didn't care. All right. And I never really have cared too much about how I look. I just, I mean, I want to look presentable, but I've never worried too much about whether or not I'm wearing is in style. And, uh, uh, well, that's a lie. I worried about it. I, there were times where I was legitimately, like, bullied in school for not wearing the right stuff. Um, but we didn't have any money. And what was I going to do? I, hey, we, I can't afford polo. Sorry, I'm wearing... Uh, Molo or whatever it says. <laughs> uh, you, you're really going to push me around for this? So, um, uh, yes. So I am, uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're at Paulie's and all of a sudden Travis and Bryson turn on me and just start ripping on my high, white high tops and like not in a fun way. Like they were like, they became legitimate bullies. And I was, I go, guys, what the hell? Who cares what I'm wearing? And I mean, they just wouldn't let up. And the girls then, I mean, they just, they completely ignored me. Like I was talking to one and we were having like a really good time. And these, and my, my, uh, the worst wingmen on the planet totally ruined it. Now, I guess you could argue, hey, Josh, no, your poor style and shoes uh, ruined it. Well, maybe, but. It wasn't an issue until they really started hammering me for it. And I didn't care so much that I wasn't, like, firing back. I was just like, yeah, whatever. I didn't realize that it would actually cost me a, uh, well, uh, potentially romantic evening. <laughs> so uh, that was, uh, yeah, I was a little embarrassed by that whole scene as well. Otherwise, boy, did we have a good time. Now, in the meantime... Uh, I believe I uh, mentioned last week that the reason that Mike and I were uh, now part of this road crew is our main job was a co-op with General Mills where we were going to go to these, uh, we were going to go to every, we started at the College World Series and then after that we were hitting the road to go to every Major League Baseball stadium, almost every. Uh, I think there were like four where the schedule wasn't going to work out. Uh, every stadium and pass out Gardetto's uh, and uh, a cereal at the time called Wheaties Energy Crunch. And <laughs> uh, come to find out, 
and I will name names here because he needs to be held responsible. Stan, uh, this guy Stan and Travis, uh, Stan put Travis in charge of making uh, the schedule of uh, when we were, what stadiums we were going to hit and when. So Travis puts the schedule around. It probably took him some time to figure out when all the home games were, uh, where we could, you know, what the best route was to each city, you know, whatever. Well, the one thing that neither of these guys did was to ask the permission of the stadiums if two guys can pull up in a Rawlings vehicle, open up the back doors, and pass out samples of Gardetto's and Wheaties. They didn't bother to check with the stadiums to see if this was something that they would, A, want, uh, B, uh, was was allowable, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, we get a couple days off from the College World Series. We're still in Omaha. And Travis says, hey, get on the phone and start calling these stadiums and uh, ask them if it's okay if you show up and do this. uh, Do the job that I had already been hired for, essentially. So we start making calls. And one after the other tells us, are you kidding? No, you can't come here and pass out samples in front of our stadium. Well, we're with Rawlings. I don't care who you're with. We have deals with concessionaires like contracts where if we allow any sort of any other food, whether it be sold or given out as samples, it voids our contracts and we can be sued by these major concessionaires and and food distributors and all this stuff. That was the answer we got over and over and over again. And uh, so this whole thing was ill-conceived. Nobody checked to see if we were allowed to do this. So I go back to the uh, to Travis and I go, man, none of these stadiums want us there. In fact, some of them say we can't, we absolutely can't do it. And um, okay, and so then we go to Stan, who at the time was was maybe the VP of marketing or something. Nice guy, but didn't uh, think this through at all. Uh, what in fact, what he was doing was he was trying to appease his old job, which was General Mills. And uh, his new job, Rawlings, by doing this uh, co-op that he had no idea whether or not it was you could. So we tell, hey, guys, uh, the stadiums aren't letting us do this. So I'm told by the higher ups, uh, go do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, and when I say higher ups, I mean, I honestly, I, I just I mean, Stan, go do it. Just go show up and do it. As a. A fairly naive and uh, 23-year-old um, who also, but who was also really excited about uh, traveling the country and uh, seeing all these ballparks and stuff. They go, okay, all right, well, well, we'll go do it. So after the College World Series, Mike and I hit the road. Now, we no longer have the dugout to cart these uh, samples of snacks with us. So what happens is we have to rent a gigantic moving truck, and it's the biggest moving truck you can get. I don't, I don't remember if it's 26 feet or whatever, but it, it is, it's huge. It fits, it fit eight double-stacked pallets. So a total of 16 full pallets, and one side was Gardetto's, and the other side of the truck was uh, Wheaties Energy Crunch. Well, the giant moving truck, and the plan is, all right, 
We're not going to be able to ride in the Suburban together anymore, um, uh, towing something. We each have to drive a vehicle, which means ugh, instead of like uh, driving for 12 hours a day and one of us riding for uh, driving for six and the other driving for six, we each have to drive 12 hours a day in order to, to make the schedule work. And we go, okay, well, one day I'll drive the Suburban and the next day you drive it and we'll switch driving, uh, we'll switch on and off with the moving truck. Well, we get the moving truck the day that we're supposed to hit the road uh, because from Omaha, we ended up having to go back to St. Louis to pick up this truck. The truck is a manual. It has a manual stick. Mike has no idea how to drive a manual stick. We don't have time to teach Mike how to drive. So I am now the driver of the 26-foot or whatever it is moving truck for the summer. I don't get to enjoy the brand-new Suburban. That's <laughs> I'm driving this gigantic truck around now. Manual, no less. With a governor on it that is set at 55 miles per hour. That means if I put... Uh, when I if I step on the gas, I can step on it as hard and as long as I like. That truck is not going to go faster than fifty five miles per hour. So, uh, real quick, the long and short of it is that for four months, I drove that giant truck that would only go fifty five miles per hour, and I'm not lying. When it was full, and we had to go up even the slightest incline, it would get down to a dangerous speed, 15 miles per hour or so. And I had to drive through the Rocky Mountains in this thing. So the grades of those highways, those roads, are so steep that I would all I could do, all I could do was throw my flashers on and go 15 miles per hour while people honked and gave me the finger and lost their minds. And, uh, I mean, it was absolutely miserable. So uh, that was kind of the long and short of the vehicle that I drove. Uh, it had air ride, which was kind of fun. You would uh, hit a bump and essentially uh, almost break your neck when your head hit the ceiling. <laughs> I would hit a bump, and so my, my seat had air ride, meaning that it was, like, on these uh, pneumatic, like, shocks or whatever. And so I would literally fly in the air. And and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. There were many times where I hit my head on the top of the cab. Uh, it was nuts. And, just lo- and I would, you know, kind of lose control of the wheel when that would happen and stuff. Uh, I would kind of laugh, but at the same time go, good God, this is miserable. Now, the only saving grace of this truck was it did have cruise control, but <laughs> the cruise control buttons were not marked. They weren't marked at all. It, they had either been rubbed off uh, with use or so I, I, I and I had never used cruise control before, but I recognized like uh, th- that these were the same kind of buttons on the steering wheel that my grandpa had in his old car that he used. And so I went, OK, this must be cruise control. And I remember like one of the one of I guess after like a week or two of driving that truck, I went I was on a long stretch of highway. It was either like I-70 in Kansas or something where uh, I was I could have fallen asleep and driven and been fine. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so I took the time to trial and error 
how the the uh, cruise control works by just blindly hitting these unlabeled buttons. <laughs> and what I figured out, like what what I had to hit to get it to set, and what I had to get. Oh, dude, I was so happy. And, and honestly, it probably only took me like twenty minutes. But for a while there, it was the best puzzle that I'd ever because I knew the result would be fantastic, where I could take my foot off the the gas of this damn thing, and uh, and set. And it was it was it changed everything. It did. It uh, <laughs> it made it a little easier. The uh, radio was awful in that thing. So what I ended up doing was I had a disc man that hooked into the lighter, and uh, <laughs> then would hook into my headphones. And so I was listening to uh, the disc man that, since it was a very bumpy truck, would skip every twenty five seconds. <laughs> Until I figured out that if I set the disc man on a folded up uh, bath towel and I set something kind of heavy, like one of my shoes that I was uh, was wearing on top of the disc man lid, it wouldn't skip nearly as much. <laughs> so I would usually have my left shoe off and it would be sitting. <laughs> oh, boy. And we drove all over the country and we drove for hours. A day. I mean. It wasn't a full day. Like We didn't consider it a, con- a constructive day, a travel day, unless we'd at least driven eight hours. And uh, <laughs> it was brutal. And there were times, poor Mike, bless him, he would typically, he would drive behind the truck most of the time and set his cruise control at whatever I was at. So if I was going 55, he was doing 55. And uh, if I was going... 25 on some of those tough hills or whatever he he was right there behind me but there were plenty of times where mike go 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 ahead get to the get to a hotel because we were also on a uh i should tell you a per diem where um uh we were given uh a hundred and twenty dollars a day each um to uh to spend so the idea was you have ninety dollars for a hotel and you have thirty dollars for food every day, and whatever. You, and they said whatever you don't use is yours. So uh, no matter what, you get one hundred and twenty dollars a day each. <laughs> so Mike and I <laughs> would stay at the absolute worst motels we had we could find <laughs> because they were like twenty nine dollars a night. And I mean, I'm not kidding when I say we stayed at places where I bet. The night before, I, there were rooms where I went, uh, this is a murder room. The night before, somebody was killed in this room. I have no doubt. <laughs> I mean, we stayed at the worst places. And we ate like absolute, we ate like toddlers. Just fast food and truck stop. Uh, can, like out of, we, uh, a lot of, Some days we just ate out of vending machines because we just wanted to pocket this money. And then eventually, after like a week and a half or two weeks, we'd go, enough of this. And we <laughs> we would stay at a Hampton Inn somewhere pretty nice, and we would get like a really nice dinner somewhere. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, a lot more to talk about with this. And uh, um, I, uh, I, I look forward to sharing more of these stories because some of this stuff I'm remembering as I'm talking about it. So it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice time. I'll leave you, you know, before I go uh, this week, uh, before we have to part, I'll tell you this quick story. Oftentimes the drives were so long that my, like, 
and I'm overweight, we all know it, my waist would start to hurt. Like my my belt, uh, my waistline of my shorts uh, would start to just dig in to my waist and it would get so uncomfortable after just sitting in the same position for hours and hours and hours uh, that I started going, okay, there were times in the drive where I would go ahead and unbuckle and unzip my shorts, unbuckle my, you know, p- belt and pants, and my my fly would be wide open and my, my, yeah, my pants would essentially be wide open to relieve some of the pressure that my shorts and belt had been putting on my uh, midsection. Well, uh, one time I, I, I had it like that. And I went, oh, I need gas. And so I pulled into a truck stop. And I had dual diesel tanks. So I had to pull in to an actual truck stop where the tank, because I could fill in both sides, both tanks at once. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I pull in and I'm way high up off the ground. I'm as high as like a tractor trailer. And open the door. A packed. Every, every gas tank is being used by uh, trucker, by truckers. And they're all kind of milling about and talking and, and uh, doing their windshields, whatever. So I get out. And I often got stared at at truck stops because I was in this big moving truck. And sometimes I think the truckers went, hey, don't don't waste one of our lanes uh, for your little truck that you can fill. You can get diesel. But I couldn't. I, ha- I wanted to I had to use the uh, truck pumps because, again, I could fill both sides. Well, once they saw that, they didn't give me a hard time or whatever. But I would get looked at a lot when I pulled in. So I get out. Uh, all eyes on me, at least it feels like it. A ton of truckers out there. I jump down from the cab, forgetting that my pants are completely unbuttoned and unzipped, and when I hit the ground, my shorts hit the ground with it, with me. They go right to my ankles, and I (laughs) I am now standing there in front of a a dozen burly uh, (laughs) truck drivers, uh, th- just in my boxers. And uh, some of them started laughing. A few shook their heads. <laughs> some didn't see it, thankfully. Uh, but those that did, uh, they I don't know who they thought, what they thought <laughs> I was doing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, a little, uh, little humbling there. Uh, well, uh, boy, what a nice visit. Uh, hey, follow me on Instagram, if you would, that Josh Arnold. I'm, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead and follow me there. And please, um, uh, it really means a lot when you uh, subscribe to this podcast. It, it genuinely does. Thank you guys so, so very much for being my guests uh, week in and week out. And uh, definitely subscribe so you can find out. Uh, some days I miss uh, a Tuesday and it happens on a Wednesday or whatever. So uh, I try not to do that, but it will occasionally happen. So uh, go ahead and subscribe. And folks, real quick, uh, June twenty. Uh, well, let's see. June 25th and 26th, is that it? Yes. I will be at Comedy Off-Broadway in Lexington, Kentucky. So if you're anywhere in the Commonwealth, come see me. Do not go to Louisville and see my friend. Uh, and I, I, boy, do I put that word in quotes. Greg Warren. Uh, in fact, friends. Greg Warren and Tim Convey uh, at the caravan, okay? Come, make the trip. Come see me at Comedy Off-Broadway. If you have to go see them, do it uh, one of the nights and then come see me the other nights, all right? And if you're in Indianapolis, be sure to go see Willie Griswold, Jeff Oske, and Pat Godwin uh, with special guests Tom Griswold and Chick McGee at the Irving Theater Friday, June 25th, all right? 
So uh, some terrific, uh, some terrific comedy uh, happening in those places. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about what to work on this week. Ah, oh look, there's uh, me and my my boxers, uh, embarrassingly standing there, awkwardly pulling them up, <laughs> buttoning them, zipping them, zipping them, and. Uh, Buckling the belt back up. And, uh, oh, but but my gosh, if we don't have a lovely ecdiziest there to uh, take the attention away from me. And uh, <laughs> here's something to work on uh, this week. I uh, It's always my hope, and it's absolutely my goal, for that Josh Arnold podcast to be a place of positivity and to celebrate um, things that we we love and uh, enjoy, and uh, um, and and uh, to try to not be too critical of things. And I know I get critical every now and again, and and, and oftentimes ugly Josh will make an appearance. But um, nevertheless, uh, I, I hope this is a place of joy and uh, celebration. And uh, I would like all of our lives, of course, to have more uh, well less negativity. So I say this week we remove from our lives something uh, negative. So uh, anything that makes you feel a little less good about you, yourself, or, or things, or the world, or whatever. And I'm talking just something small. You know, obviously, if you have like a boss that you uh, dislike, you can't remove them, all right? Make it something that you, you are in control of. So let's say uh, there's a, I mean... Some of this may seem petty, but it's not. Let's say you've got a pair of uh, of jeans that just they, they no longer fit you. And every time you look at them or every time you try to put them back on, you feel a little bad about yourself. Just get rid of them. All right. Clear it out. What is this? Is this is this similar to that Marie? Uh, is it Marie Kondo or uh, uh, whoever? I think she's she says if it doesn't bring you joy, uh, get rid of it or whatever. Well, I'm saying if it's if it brings you any negativity, get rid of it. Um, maybe it's something. You know what? Uh, this is what I'm going to do. There's a spot on my wall uh, that's been bugging me because uh, the paint has like been shipped off, and uh, I look at it and I get annoyed every time I look at it, and uh, I'm like, ah, oh, man. And what I'm going to do this week is <laughs> paint over it. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna get rid of that little thing that annoys me for thirty seconds or ten seconds, whatever it is. I don't need it. I'm gonna do a little extra work and get rid of that this week. And it's just a little tiny negative thing that I'm gonna do. It can also be a behavior. Let's say, man, you know what? I um, I'm tired of uh, of my nails not looking nice. I bite them and bite them and bite them. Uh, try try for a little bit not to bite your nails. Just remove anything. Uh, slightly negative in your life this week because you deserve to. You don't need it. You don't need that negativity. That's for some, that's for, for some, some, uh, your energy is best served elsewhere. All right. It's a nice thing to do. And uh, if you do it, let me know. Let me know what it was if you're so inclined. And, uh, oh, speaking of which, I was at the grocery store the other day and goodbye. 